Gumption. Defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. Boom. Number nine. Number nine of the Stories of Gumption podcast. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in. Those of you who have stuck with us for the first eight episodes, if this is your first one or second one, I hope you enjoy. This is Stories of Gumption with Ryan Lee, your host, and we are talking to entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and just who I think are really, really impressive people. Let's get our sponsors out of the way, though. The first one, if you've been listening, you've heard of them already, Open Gate Farmstead. As you've heard, they are a stone's throw away from the mighty Osable River, but I got permission not to go through their entire spiel this time for you. Instead, I'm going to just give a plug about them as people and entrepreneurs. I bought eggs today, actually. And if there's any Rotarians from, from Plattsburgh listening to this ad, uh, pay attention because Matt Craig, one of the owners of Open Gate Farmstead, is selling his eggs after Rotary in his car, out of his trunk, cheap. You can pay him with cash or Venmo. Uh, and if you tell him you've been listening to the Gumption podcast, he's going to give you a buck off. It doesn't sound like a lot, but they're super good eggs. He's also got pork. He's got ducks. He did have some duck eggs today. Uh, they got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I love what they're doing with the farm-to-table thing. So keep an eye out. If you're uh, if you're a Rotarian, there's your opportunity right after our Rotary meeting. If not, reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, or check out their YouTube page. We are also sponsored by Kavanaugh Realty. Super pumped to have Kavanaugh Realty as a sponsor of the Stories of Gumption podcast. And uh, they are a local independent real estate company helping their neighbors buy and sell homes. Check them out on the web or on social media, hashtag local matters. And a special shout out to Galen Trombley. He's, uh, he's been doing a lot with social media. He's been doing a lot with that company. It's really excited to, exciting to see him as a friend of mine. Uh, doing a lot of good things as a young uh, entrepreneur, just trying to get after it and, and do a good job. I've said this before, our area is blessed to have a ton of great uh, real estate companies in the area. Um, but Kavanaugh Realty, we have personal experience with that, and, and it's it's great that they chose to sponsor this podcast. Really thankful for that. Great company. Reach out to Galen Trombley and the team at Kavanaugh Realty. Here we go, folks. Number nine. Our next guest is, um, man, another one with a super impressive bio. He is currently the executive director of the Plattsburgh Housing Authority. He's a partner in a consulting firm called Capitus. We're going to learn a little bit more about that. Uh, He's currently, with his family, uh, developing a community-generated solar farm and he's a uh, member of several boards in the local greater Plattsburgh area. He's a lover of fitness and music. He's actually been in a movie, and uh, his name is Mark Hamilton. Mark, welcome to the podcast, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's it's uh, 
it's awesome to have you. And, you know, we're talking about uh, gumption and we're talking about all the stuff that you've done. And I think the first time I met you, you were actually volunteering on a steering committee for the Boy Scouts. It was a fundraiser. Yes. Back in maybe 2014. I'm Could not be. sure. Anyhow, and we've uh, we've met and worked together on various projects through different career paths, and um, it's it's been a privilege. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. So, for the listeners, give us uh, your background because you told me. I asked you about your gumption story while we were still talking about, you know, before the podcast about, you know, your gumption story and your story in general is just wicked cool. So if you could just (laughs) kind of like, well, take us back to the beginning. You, you grew up in Peru, New York and. Yeah. So I grew up in Peru, New York and went to, went to school in Peru. Uh, My family owns an apple orchard. They own funeral homes. And so, um, When I graduated high school, I had begun playing the guitar. I played the piano as a young kid, Um, started playing the guitar, I don't know, like maybe when I was a freshman in high school or something, and got into bands. We used to go to JC's Jazz Club when they had open mic, (laughs) and we weren't legal, we weren't like allowed in the place, Uh, but but they'd let us in, and, and we'd play, and we'd have, there was this guy, and I don't know his name, but he would always play drums for us. Um, we would do some open mic stuff. We used to play at a bar in Keysville. Um, nice. And we would have to be like ushered out the back of the bar because the police would come in or whatever. <laughs> and we weren't old enough to be in there. We had a great time. Um, and I did some acting and things in the area. So when it came time for me to decide after high school what I was going to do, I told my parents, as um, any kind young man would do, I said, Mom, Dad, I'm leaving for Los Angeles. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, as you can imagine, didn't go over very well. Yeah. Uh, my parents are, they're wonderful, wonderful people. And, uh, but, but they were rooted in the community and they had no family business. Right. And had no idea of, what yeah. I was getting into or whatever. So I made a deal with my mother that I would go to Clinton Community College. I would get an associate's degree. And then if I did, she would help me move to Los Angeles. Um, she would help, you know, set me up, find me an apartment, help pay for some things and whatnot. And I got to be honest, like I was going to get in a car and drive to LA as soon as I graduated high school. It was their car. So, (laughs) you know, like I didn't have anything. Uh, I didn't have anything. So we we agreed on the deal. I I made it through. I, I went to Clinton. I wasn't focused. I didn't, you know, get great grades. It took me... Um, probably longer than it should have mm-hmm. to get through. Um, my goal was to get to LA. So I wasn't real focused on on college at the time. Uh, but I did get through it. And my mother, true to her word, she flew me out to LA. Um, and we found an apartment and I got set up. Uh, and she came home and, and there I was. Um, and I can remember... You know, we were talking about gumption, right? right? And I think about gumption, I think about resourcefulness, I think about initiative, I think about that that sort of not in your gut um, when, you're, when you're making decisions. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for me, there's going to be a lot of these stories and, and areas in these stories where I think gumption comes into play, right? Having the gumption to, to do something. 
Um, so I'm so there I am in LA. Um, my first job was working for a, a nonprofit uh, in Hollywood, and the nonprofit was called My Friend's Place. And if anybody out there is listening and they know My Friend's Place, or if if they can, you know, if My Friend's Place is still exists, I'd love to know. Right? This was yeah. I don't know. This was well. It was before two thousand. Oh wow! Because I was in LA when. Uh, we switched from 99 to 2000 and you know how the world was going to end <laughs> yeah the <laughs> like, whole world was going to yeah. explode you know there's a prince song and right yeah so i can remember being it. in la uh and my parents and some people back at home were thinking oh my god what's going to happen los angeles when this happens there's going to be chaos and but there wasn't um so but i can i can remember uh walking to work in la uh and i walked down the hollywood boulevard um, or the Hollywood Walk of Fame, excuse yeah, me. So yeah. I'm walking over all these stars as I walk to work. And for a kid from Peru, it was the coolest thing. Oh, and I it, can imagine. It never yeah. got old. I did. I worked there for months and months. Um, and it, it, every day that I walked to work was like the coolest thing. It was awesome. Walked by the man's Chinese theater. Uh, <laughs> it was just a really cool experience. Nice. Um, so I, I'm in L.A., and I go out there for music and acting, right? Yep. Um, so, I'm going to be a star. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who, who doesn't want that? I, hey, I, yeah, I'm right. with you, man. So I never ended up really doing much music-wise, uh, but I did do some stuff acting. Um, I was in a, you know, a few extra things, and I was in a, a movie with Scott Bakula who is, uh, you know, of Quantum Leap fame. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have, like, a huge role or anything, but but I had a part. It was a legitimate part. And what I tell people is I don't believe... So, like, there are movies... They make movies, and they make blockbusters, and those go to the theaters, and they make millions of dollars, and they're international <laughs> hits. And then they make movies, like, for TV, right? Right, And, and then right. they make movies that go, like, straight to DVD, and those yep. are the ones you see next to the checkout line at the grocery store. <laughs> And then they make the movies that I was in, right? Which don't even get to the grocery store. Um, I don't think it was ever picked up and distributed. I don't think that anybody, I don't know. Some don't, eclectic, you know, yeah. movie store in Pawnee, Indiana. Could be. Yeah. yeah, right. Could be. Um, yeah. And Scott, if you're out there, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, so I was, I was doing that. I, I was having fun. I was, you know, um, I was working a little bit and I was doing what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And I ended up, I had a really, really good friend who worked for an executive search firm. And I was actually going to the office to meet him for lunch. I was just kind of waiting in the office for him to get out of, I don't know if he was in a meeting or whatever. Yeah. And another employee of the firm started talking to me. He's like, how come you don't, you know, you, you, you're a decent looking guy. You dress all right. Why don't you get a job here? You know, we need people. You, we could pay you. Um, I think he had like this sense that I was, uh, you know, aching for work or something. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. But I ended up, I was like, ah, well, I could do it maybe part time or something. And um, I, so I did. I got, I got a job with this firm and I started doing like just basic research stuff, then moved up to like calling and all the way up. And I got as far as I could with uh, an associate's degree. And, the the manager of the office in LA came to me and said, "Listen, you know, we love you. This is great, and if you're happy, you can stay here and do this forever. This is what we need you to have, though, if you want to move up. Right? Got it. Because he could see that I wasn't content just kind of doing 
what I was doing. So I, I called home um, and I've been super blessed. Uh, my family has always been really supportive of a lot of my craziness, <laughs> and, which is great. That helps. I don't, I don't think that they're... Yeah, I th- it helps, right? They're not making me more crazy. They're just allowing me to be the crazy that I am. Hmm. So I called home and I said, look, I'm thinking about going back to college. And my mom um, said, I'll make a deal with you. She loves to make a deal. She said, uh, I'm not going to you know, pay for you to go to UCLA or USC or you whatever out in LA. But if you come home, go to SUNY Plattsburgh, I'll... I'll pay for you to go. You can live at home so you can save on expenses and stuff, but I'll pay for your tuition. I'll make sure you get your your bachelor's degree. Hmm. And I thought that was a great deal, right? Yeah. Um, So I came home. I worked my tail off. I got a degree, and I got uh, the two years that I needed, I did in less than a year and a half. Like I was super dedicated. I was interested. I cared. I wanted good grades. A little different the second time around. Extremely different, right? Yeah. Extremely different. But I got a degree in anthropology. <laughs> Not to laugh at that, but like yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. And I got a degree in bio and now I'm in, in commercial insurance. Right. Yeah. It's like, what? So fortunately, I yeah. knew from my executive search time that um, the degree was important. What the degree in, was in was a little less important. There are some jobs where it's very important. Right. 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 Uh, we recognize that. But exactly. just sort of in general... You just need a bachelor's degree. There's a set, set of skills that are assumed with someone who has a bachelor's degree. Correct. Correct. Yeah. You've jumped through the appropriate hoops, right? Yeah. You've done a few research papers. Yeah. For you know. certain jobs. Right. You're right. So um, I get the degree, and while we were going to SUNY Plattsburgh, there was a small contingent, a small group of us who were super fascinated with archaeology. We had taken a class with Dr. Pollard, about, um, I don't remember exactly what the class was called, but it mm. was pre-Hispanic Peru stuff. We learned about the Inca, and we learned about the Moche, and we learned about the Lord of Sipan, and all these different really cool things. Nice. And so we were fascinated by this stuff. So we worked with Dr. Pollard and Dr. Cohen and Dr. Crane Kramer, and we created all these weird uh, independent studies and we did them in groups. It was it was the coolest thing. The, the, they were awesome. So we um, we analyzed bones, skeletal analysis, and we did all these really cool things, rooted in archaeology. So when we when I graduated from SUNY Plattsburgh, me and two other friends who had done this with me went to South America, and we spent. I don't know, like three months or four months backpacking around. We went to all of the sites we had learned about, like, um, you know, the, the famous Incan sites, Machu Picchu. Wow, that's cool. Uh, it was awesome. We went in the Andes. We did a hike through the Andes where we got lost. One of the guys that I was with was <laughs> vegan. And so it's hard to find vegan restaurants in, in you know, Peru, South America. Yeah. So he had eaten something. He was having a difficult time. Uh, <laughs> we were in the Andes, lost. Yeah. Uh, we got charged by bulls. We got attacked by wild dogs. It oh was my absolutely God. insane. But it's so much fun. I can remember at one point, I just curled up into a ball underneath this giant cross in the middle of nowhere and said, guys, just leave me here. <laughs> like, I am done. <laughs> I am done. Um, we went into the Amazon. We spent a week in the jungle. Uh, it was wow, just how it was long awesome. were you there? We were. Th- it was. It was probably. A, 
about four months, somewhere between oh, wow. three and four months. That's cool. Um, and we stayed mostly in Peru. So um, we did go to Bolivia a little bit, but most of what we did, northern Chile, but most of it was in Peru. So four months in a country the size of Peru is a lot, and you get to see a lot and do a lot. It was a really cool experience. So I came home and ended up going back out to LA, got a job with a different recruiting firm. Um, it was really funny. I was I went to LA before I had a job, and I just yeah. knew that I'd get a job. So when I got to LA, I just started sending my resume to all these recruiting firms. I didn't care if they had an opening or not. I was just sending this information. And I got the job and had another offer simply because I did that. The initiative that I took, you know, rather than just waiting for a job to open up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a a great company and a firm like that will often make room when they're not even looking for a great candidate. Right. So I got a job. I was doing the executive search thing and I did it for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, saved up my pennies and decided that I was going to go backpack Europe. So me and another friend, we spent again, probably about four months backpacking around Europe. We went, wow, look at you. Yeah. World traveler. I like it. Um, I, you know, we went everywhere. I, yeah. we, we went from, you know, the traditional you know, Ireland and Scotland and England. We went to Scandinavian countries, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. We went down into Romania, Italy, Greece, France. I mean, we went everywhere. Um, we would take the train, we would fly, we would do all these different ways, you know, of tr- means of travel. It was awesome. It was awesome. I came back home from that though. And I didn't have enough money to get back to LA. I had spent all my cash. Ooh. And my parents, God love them, they're always there to help me when I need help, but they're not going to just pay yeah. for my, you know, escapades. Yeah. So, I decided, okay, I said I'm 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 at a point now where I need to make a decision. I got to come up with a career. I got to do something. So, I was uh resolute to either becoming a lawyer and going to law school. Uh, becoming an attorney or becoming a teacher and using all of my travels and all of the different experiences I I had uh, in the classroom and try and make social studies a little more entertaining than what it was for me. Um, And so I decided to go that route. I, you know, based on the amount of money that it would have cost and based on the amount of time I would have had more education and all these things. So I went to Potsdam because their master's in the science of teaching or MST program is it starts in the beginning of one summer and ends at the end of the following summer. So it's just over a year. Oh, nice. Uh, At least it was at the time. I don't know if they still have that program. So it was super quick and easy and relatively painless. And again, my parents, God love them, paid for my education. Nice. Uh, Yeah. So so that was fantastic. While I was in Potsdam, I met a young lady who had no interest in going to L.A., uh, so again, I had to make a decision, right? I get done school and I've, I've, I've found a, a, a girl. I have a girlfriend at this point and it's, you know, it's serious. I can go to LA and she's not coming or I can stay here. Uh, and yeah. I ended up staying here, yep. which I think was a great decision because yep. she ended up becoming my wife and, you know, mother to my children and all yeah. that other stuff. So, yeah. um, but I, but I ended up staying here and I got a job teaching. Uh, right out of this MST program. I finished the MST program in at the end of the summer. Um, I guess, um, I don't know, it had to be August. 
the beginning of August, maybe middle oh, of August. Wow. And I was hired for the beginning of that school year in September. In fact, um, nobody told me I was hired. So the first day of school, <laughs> when all the teachers go into the auditorium of the school and they do like the first yeah. you know, year or the first day stuff, and they're talking about all they're talking about, they're talking about all the new hires, and everybody is standing up. They call my name and nobody stands up. I wasn't there. Oh, nobody no. told me. So a friend of mine who was working at, at the school ended up calling me and said, "Hey, did you know you got hired?" No. I had no idea. But that's great. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, it's all I've ever wanted. Um, So I did that. I did it for six years, and um, I enjoyed it a lot. But I knew that it wasn't all that I wanted. So probably about three years in, I recognized that I was going to want more than just a classroom. And so I had begun the process of going to get my administrative certificates. Mm -hmm. And I went through the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, the MCLA program, uh, which is a really, really, really cool program. It's changed, I think, since I've done it. But it's only a couple of years. And at the time, you went to Massachusetts for the summer. Mm -hmm. And then you did like an internship that year. You went back for the that following summer and you were done. So it was nice. awesome. Yeah. So I got my administrative certificates in the same time frame. The school t- said, you know, we have to make some cuts. And, you know, your position were cutting to, I think it was 0. 0.75 or 0. 0.60 or something. But I was going to be less than a full-time teacher. Woof. Yeah. Uh, never a conversation that you want, right? No. There were a couple of teachers who were going to be retiring. Uh, so I could have sort of stuck it out and waited for a year or two and then mm-hmm. gotten the full-time gig back. But you were prepping for an uh, admin job. But, or, right, uh, I was admin, already, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a leadership position. Right, I was already sort of focused on the next phase of what would end up being my career. So I applied um, at a number of local schools. There were positions, you know, assistant principal positions and different things. Um, and I applied and I had interviews and I was a finalist, um, I think, uh, at city of Plattsburgh for one of the positions mm-hmm. that they had. Yep. Um, but I had also applied and interviewed at the housing authority in Plattsburgh and got that offer before any others. So I'm staring at the offer of leave, you know, I'm a teacher with a teaching degree and that's what I've done for six years. Or I could work at a housing authority where I know nothing about housing or housing regulation or anything like that. And naturally I decided to do that. <laughs> I decided to, um, you know, sort of forego my education and the prep that I put into that and dive into housing. And I dove in, you know, embracing it 100%. Um, yeah. I took every opportunity I could to learn from other people that were working there, from trainings, um, webinars, and you know the regulations themselves, which if you ever have trouble sleeping, I recommend <laughs> you reading those, right? Uh, but I, I put all my effort into it. And there were some issues that, that happened at the Housing Authority, some things that took place. I was hired in August of 2012. And by May of 2013, I was named by the board as an interim executive director. Yeah. Um, And so 
I didn't know what I was doing. The staff <laughs> at the housing authority is unreal. They are yeah. so good at what they do. Yeah. The staff then, and it's some of it's changed, right? Because time has gone on and people have retired and whatnot. But the staff then was phenomenal, and the staff now is 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 even better. I mean, lights out. Yeah, unreal. lights out. Good. So there's no doubt. For several months, they carried me because. I didn't know, you know, there are so many things to try and understand. Um, and I didn't know them. I was willing to learn. And, you know, my leadership style is very much about dialogue and, and sort yeah. of, you know, I'm willing to make the decision, but I want input. I want to know sort of where people think we should go. And then, you know, I'll make what I think is the best decision. So I relied on, on the staff there a ton. Um, and I've been doing that, you know, ever since. And uh, yeah. I love it. I love it uh, as a day job. It's it's remarkable. What we do is phenomenal. As you said in, in the intro, nice intro. I'll give you the 20 bucks for that. <laughs> later, but, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a number of boards and organizations in the local area. I'm also on the state. Um, so there's it's called the New York State Public Housing Authorities Director Association. I'm on the board of that, and I'm actually the chair of the legislative committee. Wow. Which is really cool because I get to get involved in sort of legislative advocacy for housing authorities, both at New York State and also, um, you know, through Washington. So really cool, really fun. Um, I love it, but I like to be doing a lot of things. I like to, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I just need to be busy. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because you're, you telling that story reminds me of a similar story that I experienced. And it's kind of this theme of when is it right to jump and take an opportunity? And right. when is it like not? And I think people answer that question differently. You know, we've talked about that. Some people are all about that's an opportunity. I'm going after it because I'm addicted to opportunity. Right. Right. And other people are not so much. They want the safe, consistent route. And I mean, uh, that's certainly what I've done by jumping into, uh, the insurance world. That is very high, uh, difficult barrier to entry, uh, opportunity with a great, uh, long-term outcome sure. if you're successful in it. Right. Sure. But, but where I was going with that was, uh, when I graduated college, um, in, in May of that year, I applied all over for teaching jobs. I wanted to be the teacher. So you got a degree in education. Yes. So I think we should, I hate to, inter I don't mean no, to interrupt, go for but it. I think we should put this out there to the podcast listeners. Yeah. How, how many people out there are walking around this, this area with teaching degrees and not teaching, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Tweet at Ryan or whatever. I like, was, I was, I'm certain. Well, not anymore. I think it expired. But I was, I'm certified. I was certified. I left my undergrad with a New York State certification right. to teach biology, chemistry, and uh, yeah, like you know, all those tests. I took all the tests. Yeah, yeah. We're taking a little digression, but I love digressions. You know, <laughs> that was it's an opportunity. What I was gonna do. Man, if you would have asked me back when I was graduating college, like, what am I? What are you going to do, Ryan? I am going to be a teacher, and I'm going to be the best damn teacher um, that I can be. And similar to you, I'm going to become a principal or administrator right, or something. Right. That was that was I had it laid out for me. I had it laid out way in advance, and I applied to jobs, and that was right when 
a bunch of teachers got laid off. Yeah, me. And it was, <laughs> honestly, it was probably the exact same time. I'm sure it 2012. was. 2012. Yeah, because it was August of 2012 that I ended up at the housing authority. And it, was, so. uh, and it was May of 2012 that I graduated. Right. And my job, I had a job lined up that I thought I was going to get. And that woman retired. And she was teaching AP Bio. At, and they're like, yeah, we're not replacing that job. what 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 so anyhow my panic blinkers go up and i uh start applying for other jobs well i'm like all right well i gotta get my master's anyway in new york state to teach so i'll do that at plattsburgh state i'll find something to pay the bills in the meantime and i'll wait this thing out and i took on the executive role for the adirondack district of the boy scouts and with that is fundraising, managing, and working with a board, uh, membership, recruitment, all these different things, which is where you and I first, in, like, right. I think, met because yep. of a fundraising committee. Yep. But ultimately, I'm, I graduate in May. I'm hired in the very beginning of September that year. And then I make it to January. And the uh, first big staff meeting of the year, uh, CEO walks in, and he says, uh, yeah, we're cutting a third of the staff. Budget cuts. And I'm like, wow. So like, this doesn't just happen in education. Yeah. <laughs> and I made it. Somehow the green bean made the cut. <laughs> but it came with some baggage. And I was planning on being a teacher, remember. So CEO, you know, from Albany up to the Canadian border. This is the whole organization. I was in charge of the Adirondack, Clinton, Franklin, Essex area. And he goes, Ryan, uh, you're now a camp director in Saratoga in addition to your other. So right, right. You know, I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> like, and, and I'm taking classes. I'm trying to figure this out. And, uh, shortly thereafter, the old camp director hands, uh, hands me a stack of binders, probably like five of them. I vaguely remember thick binders. And he's like, Oh, these are the, uh, New York state department of health standards. Uh, you want to you want to know all of those and these are the uh n- uh national bsa standards for summer camps uh you need to know those too you're going to get assessed on those ones for the bsa D- the department of health is going to show up they're not going to tell you when they're coming and uh they're not the same <laughs> oh and you got to hire your staff and you got to similarly right? right you walked into an opportunity that uh you, you didn't i mean you weren't planning on it, and right. you didn't know the ins and outs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure nobody grows up saying, I really want to run a housing authority someday. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do an amazing job with it. I've well, seen you, you work, you know, I've seen you do what you do, and you, you do an amazing job at it, and it was meant to be, for sure. But, yeah, I, I, you know, so I'm, I remember calling my girlfriend at the time, wife now, and being like, Lauren. I got to pick one. I got, I, I don't, I can't fit this master's degree in teaching right. with camp director and executive job. Like this isn't going to work. What do I do? Do I tell my, he just laid off a third of the staff and I'm going <laughs> to tell him that, yeah, I can't do this either. Um, I ended up taking the plunge, man. And I haven't looked back ever since. Yeah. Teaching's a great career and uh, I think I would have been great at it, but uh, my opportunity in life is exponentially higher. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think um, I, I joke about like how many people walking around 
have a degree in teaching or at one point had a certification to teach. And I think it's a huge number of people for a couple of reasons, right? We had used to have or have a teaching college here. So that makes sense. Yeah. But teaching, what I learned teaching and what I learned in preparing for teaching, it's not the content, right? Mm. It's how to manage a classroom. It's how to deal with distractions. It's how to, it's how to get, people from point a to point b um that that transcends the classroom right you could apply those same skills with staff you could apply those same skills when you're trying to recruit people or get Mm. members you know what i mean like i really think education is a really really great um opportunity to learn at least the basics of like management and understanding you know you may not deal with this kid the same way you deal with this kid Mm -hmm. because they're different they're different Mm -hmm. people they have different needs right and that you can apply anywhere i also think i mean i always was a bit more comfortable with public speaking sure but i felt much more prepared uh for big public speaking moments in as the local leader of the boy scouts right uh when i after i had spent you know a full semester student teaching in front of a bunch of uh 16 year olds that can be they can be a rough audience they're rough they're a rough (laughs) audience and you you first couple uh days and weeks are are a little rough um but then you learn and you get your confidence and you realize you know how to like you said how to handle uh certain situations and you just learn how to work a room a little bit yes i can remember one of my first days in the school not as a student teacher but i'm I'm, I'm a i'm i'm staff like i'm getting paid for this and i've got all these awesome ideas you know i'm gonna make the kids excited about social studies i'm gonna use these videos and these pictures and there's a middle school kid literally on the floor crawling up between the desks from the back of the room to the front. I'm like, what am I doing here? This is absurd. Uh, But you got to handle it. You got to figure out a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. So, so, I mean, you, you, you go through this and you're now uh, very successful with your role in, uh, as the executive director of the housing I appreciate authority, that. and um, and well, I because I can remember working with you before, uh, you know, our current you know professional relationships, yep. uh, like with the Boy Scouts, you were you were the go getter that took the risk in a way uh, of starting a, a Cub Scout program with me uh, at the uh, um, the Ted K Center, the Ted K yeah. Center, yeah. Absolutely. That was not an easy project. And you know what? I think that one failed, actually. Well, it worked but, for a while. Uh, but that's but then, part of how your leadership style, and right. I admire that. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. Go, let's try it. Why not? Right. And if it doesn't work, we figure something else out. We'll right? learn from it. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a good way to tackle things. Absolutely. And so you mentioned how you are all about just, I need okay, I need something else to do. I always need something to do. Yeah. Uh, you told me you're starting a solar farm. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, this is really fun, and I get really jazzed up about this because it's so unique. It's such a unique opportunity. Um, 
my family owns an apple orchard, and so we have a lot of acreage of land in Peru. My mother received a letter, I don't know, three or four years ago from some company out of the area. They wanted to give her an amount of money per year to hold like 20 acres of land, I think, or whatever. Yeah. Basically, they were going to control the land, and they weren't necessarily going to do anything with it. They were just going to own it. And so my father had passed away. My father passed away a while ago. And so my mother uses her kids, my brother, my sister, and I, as sort of like that resource, the, the you know, where you would use your spouse normally to bounce ideas and get guidance from. My mom came to us. So she came to me with this letter. And I said, you know, look, if you want to do this, that's great. I'm, I'll support you 100%. You're going to get some money out of it but you're not going to be able to control your land. You may want in a few years to do something with this land and you're not going to be able to, right? They're going to they're going to have essentially ownership of your land. And my mom didn't like the sound of that. I said, "Well, you know, I wouldn't like the sound of that either." Well, yeah, who would, right? So I said, "You know what? I think if you're if you want, we could probably do a solar project ourselves." And I said it and I know nothing about solar. Like, I didn't know a thing, right? <laughs> I had solar on my house, and that was my extent of, of yeah. my knowledge. Um, and it, we thought initially it was going to be this small little thing. Um, and over time, as we've researched and we dug in and we got partners and we made, you know, made head row, um, we found out that, well, the little small thing isn't going to work, but we could do like close to a three megawatt farm on the space that we have and not clear an apple tree, like just out of the open space that we have. It's been a long process. We had to go before the zoning board and give variances. We've, wow. had, we've had to get NYSEG to do what they call a Caesar study to determine if their, um, if their, if their grid, their transmission lines could even accept the power. Um, mm. It's been a long process. It's been several years, but we are at a point now where it actually looks like it's going to happen. Holy smokes! We've been able to negotiate financing and and all these different you know things. It's been a really really fun experience, but it looks like we're. I'm hopeful now. I wasn't hopeful. If you would have asked me this, you know, two <laughs> months ago, I'd have been like, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I, I really do believe it's going to happen. And what we're going to be able to do. With through some partnerships, and my family will be you know part owner of this, which is really unique. Most of the time, the landowner does not have any ownership in the solar array; they receive some compensation for the right. land, and that's right. it. And then the other companies kind of do their thing. Correct. So the the unique part of this is that we're a partner, and those entities that are the solar guys, right, or, or girls, if you will, whatever the solar people solar peeps yeah they're allowing us to partner with them that kind of a thing doesn't happen um but we're going to be able to do a build a 2.7 megawatt solar array we're going to be able to provide power to uh the people of peru uh in the surrounding area and we can do so at a discount of about 10 percent of their current you know rate and we can lock that 10% in for like 20 years. Wow. So 
our that's a big deal. Yeah, our friends, our family, people that we know that know us, that trust us, right? Because we're a part of this, and we have huge networks of of people throughout the area because of, you know, all the my, the the funeral home, my business, you know, all these different things. We're going to be able to help all of them save money every month on their electric bill, and we're going to be able to provide them with clean energy with with solar power, right? I mean, there's like there's no downside. Yeah. Um, so we're really, really excited. We've we've got the variants that we needed. I think we have the financing lined up. I think everything at this point is set. Um, there's still a few things we have to work out, but I, I'm sure. very, very confident at this. That's point. amazing. So how does somebody like me get involved in that or down the road? Like me, yeah, I'd be a very competitive thing. Yeah. So right. So what we're going to begin doing probably fairly soon, within the next couple of months, maybe even, is we're going to begin to. Um, get subscribers. So we're going to be reaching out through social media, the newspaper, different venues, and basically just, you know, talking about what the process is. And Mm -hmm. essentially you sign up for this thing. um, And if you sign up and there's power available, you'll get it. So there's only so many kilowatts that the, the farm will make. And, People can sign up until all of those kilowatts are spoken for. Um, we are expecting somewhere between 200 to 300 families or households, uh, utility accounts. Wow. If you have a house and you have a meter mm-hmm. and you have a garage that has a separate meter or you have like a camp that has a separate meter or you have you know a lake house or whatever with a separate, every meter can sign up. So mm. it's not like one family gets one opportunity, but every meter that you have can have can can sign up for the power to come to that meter through the solar farm. Mm. Um, the process to sign up, we're partnering with a company out of Boston who has the software um, to do this. So what we'll be helping people do is literally you log into this thing, you create like a username and a password, you put your information. You have to put your NYSEG account and there they, it is. There it is. They get your account information through NYSEG. They can they can um, basically based on your usage for the last twelve months, they'll say, Okay, you need this many kilowatts and that comes out of the total pot and that goes, you know, to you and that's spoken for. Um, you sign the what's called a PPA or power purchase agreement. Yep. Um, and as soon as we start making power you start getting it from us, um, and you do you get it at a discounted rate. When you said that was it two to three hundred families ish, yes. yep. is that is that like full power on average? Like you're you are you are injecting a solar sourced power to replace your other you know sourced power yep. in your home. Yes, like it will. Is there? Are you anticipating? I guess my question is. Like for someone like me, we don't have a lot of stuff that's drawing electric. Sure. But, sure. you know, hypothetically, uh, if we did, is there a scenario where like we would only get half our power from you maybe and then only that 10% savings would only be applied to half that of your, half? Yeah. So or that possibility power, yeah. exists, but okay. it only exists for large commercial. So the way that the system is designed residential can be a hundred percent. It's just a hundred percent. 
um, we're only allowed to have 40% of the total utilization go to a single commercial off-taker. Gotcha. So if we were going to go to Norsk Titanium, right, and say, hey, why don't you get power from us? It's 10%. They probably don't need any power. Oh, no, they don't. (laughs) They use hammers and chisels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, but if but we couldn't supply all of the power, because what they need, I suspect, I don't know this, but just hypothetically, is more than the forty percent of our what we're going to create. So we would only be able to supply them a percentage of their power. Gotcha. So that's the situation where that happens. It absolutely can happen, but it happens on the commercial side. Residential is a hundred percent. And and you, you might have said this already, but I just want to clarify. So this is going to be. Available to the town of Peru. Yep. And then after Peru, a little ways outside of Peru? Yeah, or so just the, Peru? Or? Nope. The way that it works is um, all throughout the state, NiceHeg has transmission lines that work in sort of grids, mm-hmm. right? And each, each grid has a footprint. So the footprint that we're in goes like into Hamilton County and all yep. the way up to, you know, the border. It does not include things like the city or Rouse's Point uh, because they have their own municipal power and it's a whole different piece. Yep. So those people would not be eligible. But anybody else who's in that footprint, uh, you know, from like from Peru by the lake out to Hamilton County up to, you know, Champlain, Altona, wherever, they're all eligible for it. We want to, because we're from Peru, my family's been in Peru for you know over 100 years, yep. we want to offer it first to the people of Peru because we think that's just a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, but there's no way that we're going to get all of the off-takers just from Peru. Sure. There's just and no it's, way. <clears throat> it's, uh, I mean... It's a. It, it seems like it's a, a a model that could be potentially replicated Absolutely. by somebody else in another community somewhere Absolutely. else. Right. Yep. Um, it's similar to the Moors. There's a project going up, or it may already be up. In oh, Moors. okay. Um, very I think similar. I've actually heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. similar. The difference is, my understanding at least is, I don't know the details of it, but my understanding is the difference is the family doesn't own it. Um, they don't have an ownership stake in it. So that ownership stake that my family is going to have is a really unique piece to the whole puzzle. And it's the only way for us that it was going to work. Hmm. Um, and quite honestly, f- for us to be able to have done that, and you know, I'll pat myself on the back a little for me, because I was the, <clears throat> I was the engine that made that go for my family and still am. Um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's pretty sweet, man. Yeah. That's gumption. It, yeah, right. Right. It's 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 leveraging uh some privileges and 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 resources that you've had absolutely for the greater good. Yep. That's gumption. I absolutely. like that a lot, man. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Keep me in the loop with that. I will. And, I'm and, really excited about it. You know, forget the 20 bucks for for the sweet <laughs> sweet bio. Just just give me like a day advance so I can get in before get everybody else. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Technically we're not in Peru, but I think we're in Peru school district. You are. Yeah, it's all good. Okay. You're definitely in the footprint, so you'll be all right. Yes. <laughs> Those of you can't 
see me. I'm I'm fist bumping here in the background. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm getting some solar power, I think. And a ten percent discount. Right. That's sweet, man. That's yeah, sweet. I mean, that's the, how it starts. Yeah, for the subscribers, for the people who get the power, they know nothing different. Um, in terms of, you know, you turn your light on, the power goes on, it nothing changes. There there's a couple of things, you know, like you end up with a bill from NYSEG because they own the lines that got the power there. So you're still paying NYSEG those lines. And then there's mm. a bill for the power uh, that we provide. So, you know, you've got a couple of bills. But in terms of like utilization of power, turning the light switch on, turning your computer on, the sweet podcast equipment, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't notice a difference. Everything yeah. works the same. It's all invisible. Actually, before we transition away from this, talk to me a little bit about the incentive or the differences between maybe signing up for this type of model versus sure. me just saying, you know what, you know, Mark's a cool guy. I like what he's doing. I'm going to slap my own solar panels yeah. on my own house and finance them and that kind of thing. Sure. So I have solar panels on my house. Um, I got them before we started this project and would I get them? I don't know. Um, I don't know. The benefit to having them on your house, there's a bunch of benefits. Um, one of the benefits is like on my house, I don't have a utility bill. I pay NYSEG for the meter because I'm essentially renting the meter from NYSEG. Um, but I don't have like a monthly utility bill of any sort. There's no transmission. There's nothing. Um, but I live in a place where I can get direct sunlight, southern exposure. It works out well. And I live in a home that I'm going to live in, you know, for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Do you see differences in winter to summer up here? Uh, I, you definitely make more power in the summer. Um, but the way that it works is it's not like a one for one. So I make, I don't have any batteries or anything. So I make power like today is a beautiful goes right sunny back day. To the grid. It goes right back to the grid. And so my meter tells two stories. It tells what I've made and what I've used. And at the end of a year, they take those two numbers. And if I made more than I used, I don't, I get a credit on my account for the difference. They pay you for your power. They pay me. They don't pay me as much as I pay them for their power, <laughs> but they pay me. Um, if I've used more than I've made, then I'd have to pay, right? Mm. And that's sort of how it works. It's not like a month-to-month thing or whatever, but it's a whole year. So this year, um, the month of March, April, and May, I won't even have the, the fee to NYSEG for the meter, that $16.25 a month or whatever that is, yep. because the credit that I got for the amount of power I produced was su- significantly more than what I used. And so that credit gets put on my account and I don't have to make a payment to NYSEG for, I think it's going to be three months. Nice. And if you know you're going to live in a place for a long time, uh, it makes a ton of sense, right? But we live in the North Country. There's woods, there's trees. You have situations where you might be renting a place. It might be a starter home. You know you're not going to be there for more than five, 10 years. So that kind of an investment doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm. And those are the households. You know, if, if you go to Florida for half a year, right? Um, those are the types of households that the community solar makes more sense for. Um, right. You know, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, you're not really playing the game of, of getting debits back 
um, when you invest in community solar. Correct. But it's because you're just trying to be green and right. And that's how things start. That's how you yep. move the needle forward. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I have to give a shout out to my, my in-laws because yeah, you they're were telling me about them. They're, they're crushing it with this whole, uh, go green on their own in their own way that they can. Um, my father-in-law in particular, uh, I mean, he, you can just tell he loves this stuff. Yeah. He, uh, He's, he's, he's like, he just got his, his big one. He got his, um, his Tesla, oh, you know, the, I'm so jelly, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not one of those like 80 grand, whatever ones. Um, but he, he, he's got, uh, you know, the more average consumer, right. I guess, I don't know what it costs, but, uh, it's, it's awesome. a lot more approachable in cost, but so they're. They've had a series of electrical vehicles. He's been very smart and leveraged his money towards this Tesla. But he sure. he has solar panels that that produce power for their home. Yep, all the stuff going on in their home, and then he's got uh, his electric car, and they both work in Vermont. So he's literally he's literally not paying gas. Yeah, and he often, especially in the summer, is not paying his utility right. bill from NYSEG. Right. You know, I, I believe he's still doing the financing period of it. Sure. So what he's paying for that is probably roughly what a bill would be. But once that's right. gone, yep. yep. He's truly living off living off I'm in the same boat. I'm yeah. still mine uh, mine's not paid for yet, although it's getting closer. Um but it but you know you're not making utility payments. So the money that you were paying your utility goes to paying for your system and it works. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's awesome. You got gumption, dude, because <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the third thing yet, but, yeah. but uh, let's get into that now. So so you, you, you really started as a recruiter in a way. Right. Yeah. My um, first real career. Which, which kind of helps pivot us a little bit, I'd say, but uh, you are now a partner at Capitus. Yes. Yeah. So tell me that origin story and how that whole thing started for you yeah um really interesting um my partner and i mark lukens who's the ceo of bhsn and he has a background he he came here from uh, pennsylvania from philadelphia and he had a company a consulting firm with a recruiting arm in pennsylvania and i have my background in executive search out in la um and we both have contacts in various parts you know of the country um he and I have become, you know, fr- good friends over a fairly short period of time uh, as That's we've awesome. gotten to know each other and first met through our organizations and then, you know, became friends and, and whatnot. And so we're, we're, I think, you know, we're good friends and more than good friends now we're partners in this business. And we both sort of looked at this and said, you know, there's really a market, there's a space for what we can do from the recruiting side, that executive recruiting type thing. Um, but also what we're focusing more on right now is the consulting piece. Uh, we were talking about it earlier, right? Um, the job market is a really interesting place right now Mm. because there's all these different things, right? Unemployment rate is really low. Um, wages haven't moved much over the course of the last, you know, several years, um, you know, nationally or whatever the the indexes. Yeah. Um, so you look at the space and 
especially in nonprofits. So like the, the areas where we have our sort of current, um, careers, right? BHSN, Plattsburgh housing and all the boards and things that we're on and a part of it's all nonprofit. And in that nonprofit space, I think, and, and we both, you know, believe that there's a really significant need for nonprofit leadership to begin to act less nonprofity. Interesting. Um, because you're competing, the job market is so competitive, right? So nonprofit organizations want the best and the brightest. They want they want the best quality employee they can get. They can't always pay them the most. Mm-hmm. They don't always offer the best benefits. Sometimes they do, but not always. So where we think that we can help um, based on our experiences, you know, what we bring to the table is we can help craft that employee value proposition. We can help do some employee branding. We can help with your executive management and your policies and procedures and things that help that impact that employee. We can help with your board development. We can help with all these different aspects, you know, program development, fundraising, Mm. all of these different things that nonprofit space entails that, um, we have that experience. And so what we're, what we're doing now is creating, um, you know, creating a pathway to be able to help nonprofits navigate the current marketplace, the current world, and sort of leave behind some of the old paradigms, uh, and, and try to embrace the, the new way. That's freaking cool, man. Yeah. It's really neat and it's fun. And Mark is like, He's such a good guy and he's so bright and, and it's awesome to work with him and I'm learning from him, you know, every time we talk. I've met him briefly a couple times, I think at like chamber events or sure. something. But you can tell when you meet Mark, you're like, Ooh, that dude's that dude's got yeah. some projects going on. Like that yeah. dude's driven. And I mean I, I, I'm connected with him on LinkedIn, I think because of those and he's constantly pumping out some great content on yeah. LinkedIn and it gets me jacked up to, you know, go crush the day. But right, right. man, I should have him on the gumption podcast. Absolutely too. you should. Absolutely. Mark, you listening to this? You yeah. better be your partner's on That's here. That's it. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> Capitos. That'd be cool. That yeah, cool. I think I mean he's he's I'm not you know, he's got Maybe. a remarkable background. He's sure. done some incredible things. Or um, I have both of you on. Yeah. Well, you could have him on individually so we don't make him feel bad. And then we could both come on. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good idea, Mark. That sounds like a good idea. So And you can check it out at capitus.com, right? C A P A T U S dot com. Okay. So yeah, that, so where is it in like the development phase? Like, are you building another like a team of of specialists? Yeah, that, like you um, mentioned all these different things. I mean, yeah, and you're still running the housing authority and putting up solar panels. So yeah. how do you, you're not going to do all of it. Right? Uh, no, no, I'd be we, naive to assume. Right? So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've got a team. Uh, we're still working on building out the team, but we've got a team. We've got we've got experts in various fields. Um, you know, we've got a team, we've got several of the team members are in Boston. One of them is in Philadelphia. Um, we have another one who's local. Um, he works in Vermont, but lives in Plattsburgh. Um, and so, yeah, we're building the team out to help with this process because as you said, I mean, we Mm -hmm. can't do it all ourselves, but we're being really, um, selective 
uh, and we're we're getting people who have really specific experience and backgrounds to match what we're doing uh, in an intelligent way. It's not like we're just like, hey, we started a business and you want to come join it. Yeah, we're being really strategic about That's how cool. we do that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. It's it, really fun. Is is there a a uh, a story behind the the name Capitus? I'm I'm just thinking like. I mean, I'm kind of a goofy guy, but I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, it's like Mark Squared or yeah, you know, right. Like so Mark, 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 Marky Mark. Be, yeah, Mark, Mark was going to be <laughs> and the, the Funky name. Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's already taken. Bummer. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Mark, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, we could we could add something to it. We could make it so that it was unique. I think. Yeah. Uh, we went back and forth. <laughs> we battled with a name, so we wanted something that made sense that we that we liked. Um, we looked at. I can't even tell you. Uh, my poor wife. Like, I was pulling name. I'm just yelling things across the yeah. house, right? And she's like, "Would you stop already?" Yeah. Um, Capitus for us, it's like human capital. Um, which is sort of what we're involved in, right? Is creating that human capital. Um, and so for us, it just sort of made sense. It clicked. Um, I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, it's, it's a good name. Yeah. I was just curious. I know uh, I leveraged my uh, executive producer, uh, my wife as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, you know, like, what should this be? And uh, I was originally thinking like a podcast, uh, Stories of Risk. Okay. Which, like... And then she's like, "Ugh, that sounds <laughs> negative." And then she, I showed her like my initial like ideas of graphics and what they would look. And I used like orange and black. She's like, "Oh, it's so sad." She's like, and I was, "Thanks to my executive producer, That's you it. know, we now have a green color and stories of gumption, a much better word." There are yeah. th- there's something uh, to be said for those that support us mm. <laughs> because without them. We probably would have made some bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's definitely uh, got my back, and she pushes me to do some some impressive, yeah, sometimes crazy shit like a half marathon. Right. Like I've I remember I've talked about this a couple times in the podcast, right, but right. Uh, uh, other episodes. But I, um, I yeah, she's uh, I've done like three or four ma- half marathons, and prior to that, maybe ran four miles. <laughs> The most of my life so you know she's put and she's run a full marathon she's talked me into going after a full again so stay tuned if the episodes yeah. keep going man i you know i either quit because i'm still alive or <laughs> i conquered it and right somehow you know but you'll be able to do it you'll be able to do it yeah we'll see i i've heard it's all mental and that's you know <laughs> we're taking another digression but like i i i uh i can't run with headphones okay a lot of people are like, man, you got to run with headphones, keep your mind busy. And that's the problem with me, man. If I go outside and in the Tom Bull episode, we talked about this, but if I go outside with nothing, no stimulation, no music, anything, it's loud. Like my mind is whizzing on all the stuff I got going on at work. I got all these different, like I can't turn it off. And so if I try and run with headphones, it's just like, it's like, chaos too, yeah it's chaos i yeah. can't focus and I, my heart rate goes up just from <laughs> it sounds it probably sounds a lot like what one of my first bands sounded like when yeah. we were making music in the garage right? yeah that's right you're a yeah. musician yeah that's awesome well uh this has been awesome dude i want to give you an opportunity before we go into the typical stories of gumption rapid fire section sure, sure. but i want how do people get in touch with you uh 
whether that be, I don't know if you want to plug the housing authority. I don't know if you want to plug the uh, official name, if you have one on your solar farm, or if you want to just... If people want to submit names... Oh, there we go. um, I'd be happy to, like, you know, put them under review. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Yeah. Or or if you want another opportunity to plug Capitus, or all three, I don't care. This is your time to to kind of send the listeners a, another plug. Yeah, so I, you know, if if I can be reached in a multitude of ways, right? And so if somebody has something that they want to reach out to me regarding the housing authority or the Ted K Center or that sort of part of my life, um, you can always call the housing authority. My email address is simply mark at phaplatsburg.com. Um, the the housing authority has a Facebook page. The Ted K Center has a Facebook page. Those are also ways that you can reach me. If you have questions or thoughts on the solar, um, or if you want to submit names, you can submit the names to Ryan or yeah. or whatever. Um, uh, stories however. stories of gumption podcast at gmail.com. There I'll you go. send those over to to Mark for sure. There you go. Um, and so you could, you know, my email address is fine. You can use that, um, at, at the housing authority or my capitus email is M Hamilton, uh, you know, H A M I L T O N at capitus C A P T A C A P A T U S. I got to make sure we spell that correctly. That's um, what I got. C A P A T. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. That's, that's, I think it's a good one. So, uh, I have I have uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm at the real Hambis, H A M B I S. Nice. <laughs> yep. LinkedIn. Um, it's Mark Mark Hamilton on LinkedIn. I don't know what the URL is or whatever. But yeah, just search Mark Hamilton. Probably, yeah, I'd assume. I would yeah. think. Okay. Uh, Mark and I Mark. love I love like dialogue. I love mm. you know, this is awesome. That's where this. great ideas come from. Yeah, and you never know where somebody may say something, and it may seem sort of mundane, but it may spark something else. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I hope people reach out to you about one or all of those things yeah. uh, in some way, shape, or form. Because uh, even if you're not looking for a housing opportunity, I, right. you know, there's plenty of ways to volunteer and get Absolutely. involved. I, I know from my uh, history with the Boy Scouts and working with the Ted K Center and your team over there, that's a phenomenal thing. Yeah, they do good, a lot of know, really cool um, stuff. Taking another brief digression, but like when you guys did your big. Uh, I mean, you do a lot for the kids, but yep. like when you did your big recycling initiative, yes. that was sweet. The man. million can redemption plan. Yeah, yeah, that, that stuff's cool. And so uh, there's definitely plenty of opportunities. I assume to volunteer. Oh, absolutely. But uh, the 100%. other two projects you got going on are, are are pretty sweet too. I hope people reach out. Here it comes. All right, rapid fire. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, first one's pretty straightforward. I've asked it to most guests. Um, I'm going to tweak it slightly, but what's a book that you would gift your 20-year-old self? And, um, and why would you gift that particular book? Yeah, so I would gift the book Ishmael, Ishmael. Uh, by Daniel Quinn. Hmm. Uh, have you ever read it? No. Yeah, so you need Never to go heard read it. it. Ishmael. Yeah. Um. It's a really interesting book, and for those of you out there that haven't read it, I highly recommend it. And I wouldn't, I'm not going to say much, and I'm not going to sort of ruin any of it. Um, you got to read it with an open mind, 
um, but it it can it can really sort of expand our perception of ourselves and mm. the world around us. Um, there's one particular story in it about a jellyfish, and I'm going to give this one away uh, if you don't mind. Sure. Do it. So I'll do it quick, right? But so this guy, and this is not exact, right? This is um, my summary of this story. There's a guy who's waiting in the water and there's nothing else around, no people, no animals, nothing, right? It's like the first man on earth. And uh, a, a jellyfish sort of swims up to him or whatever. And the guy's like, oh, hey, you're a jellyfish. And he's like, I'm not even going to do this story. I'm not even going to do it. I want you... To go and read because I'm not going to do it justice, right? But the now I'm really now now yeah, now I'm you're really, going to go read it. Yeah, yeah. You could simply Google Ishmael jellyfish story, and it will. I'm confident. I don't know this, but I'm sure that it will come up. Best best pitch for a book I've yes, heard. You got to read it. I'm not podcast. going to do it. You basically just like told I sucked the, you in and and spit you out. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's that, really good. That's great. It's really good. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. Question number two. If you could visit one place in the world, where would it be and why? If I could visit one place in the world like today? Yeah. If I could visit one place in the world, it would be Machu Picchu and I would bring my kids. Oh, cool. Because it's like... You know, we go to Disney and we do like family vacations and things. And I cannot wait. I don't want to wish their, you know, youth away, but I cannot wait until they're old enough where they will want to go on a trip like that and I can bring them to a place that means so much to me. Um my my studying of pre-Hispanic Peru, my time in South America, and it culminated for me sort of at this pinnacle moment of, of Machu Picchu. Yeah. And uh, when I get the opportunity to go back, it's going to be bringing my kids, and I wish that I could do that like right now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, that's a damn good reason, too. I like <laughs> that. That's great. Uh, here's one I'm taking from uh, Tim Ferriss. Uh, if, if, if any of you listen to Tim Ferriss, you probably heard this question. Um, I think my buddy uh, Matt Craig uses it sometimes on Craigcast as well. But okay. uh, he's right. a local podcaster too. Good dude. Owner of Open Gate Farmstead. Ah. Uh, if you could put a billboard up what for free, mm-hmm. any amount, any message you want, what would that message say? Stop being a dick. <laughs> I get so tired of people just not being nice. It's like, so true, from though, man. Politics to like when you're in the grocery store and the cashier is having a challenging time with something, and people are like huffing and puffing and just not being nice. Yeah, I get so tired of it. I get so tired of it. That would be my billboard. It's. Um, I hope you don't need to cut that out. Like no. No, there's no kids listening to this. I don't think so. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of just a big kid, but um, you know that's great, man. And, and honestly, I I totally agree with you. I I feel like uh, people are just looking for an opportunity yeah. to to just let their baggage out. And, you know, you gotta just you gotta be stop like you being can a dick. be. Yeah, I don't know. It's you, so simple. Yeah, <laughs> it really is, right? Like you could be upset. 
you can want something different, right? Like you could be in the grocery store and be upset about something and do it in a tactful way. You can do it in a way that's not like super condescending or, you know, whatever. You could simply say, listen, I'm in a really big hurry. I'm going to go to another line, right? Or whatever. I just get tired of people mm. who, I don't know, drives yeah. me nuts. Yeah. That's my billboard. Okay. I dig it. Last question. It's my favorite question, man. I love it. I love it. I'm, go- I'm probably going to have to uh, come up with a new way to phrase it or just a new one that's my favorite because uh, people are having an opportunity to to think before they get on the podcast from listening to others. But this is my board of directors question. Okay. So if, if we are going to uh, assemble a board of directors, a three-person board of directors for the life of Mark Hamilton uh-huh. from today moving forward. Just like any business, you yep. need maybe you need a finance guy, maybe you need an organizational leadership woman or guy, you yep. know, who are your three board of directors for you for the rest of your life to guide and mentor you? Uh, they can be celebrities or not, dead, alive. Who would the three celebrities. be? Celebrities. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> Famous people. Yeah. Uh, who would they be and why? Don't need no stinking famous people. <laughs> um, so this is a really easy question for me, right? I love it. Um, they would be my father. He would be one. Mm. Um, and I'm going to say them all first. And then, and then do the why. why. That's fine. So my yeah. father would be one. James Hutchinson, Jim Hutchinson would be another. And Paul Grasso Jr. would be the third. Paul um, Grasso. Paul Grasso, yeah. So my father is, uh, my father passed away several years ago. And, um, you know, I think for me, my father was a really important part of who I am and and who I've become. And I would love to be able to have him back and have his guidance and have, uh, him, you know, have somebody that I could talk to like a father. Right. I mean, I have a lot of really great friends and my mother is wonderful, but it's just different. You know, Um, my father-in-law is phenomenal. Right. It's just different. Um, so I'd love to have his guidance and his assurance and his um, sort of personality back in my life. Yeah. So that would be one. It's a good pick. Jim Jim Hutchinson, James Hutchinson, was my neighbor growing up. He was the superintendent of schools at Peru. You know, years, I never knew him as this, right? By the time I was born, he was retired and he was sort of just my neighbor, right? It was Jim. It was Jim and Edna. And, um, but as I grew up, he played such a pivotal role in my development. Um, everything from reading to writing to baseball, music, everything that I, that makes me who I am, uh, he had a a massive impact on and he passed away, you know, a while back as well. Mm -hmm. Um, he passed away actually while I was in Massachusetts doing the MCLA program to... Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was about that same time in my life that that he passed away. But I used to go to him for everything. Even when I was in LA, um, I we we wrote letters back and forth. So while I was living in LA, um, he sent me a letter one day. So I sent him a letter back. And we just started this thing where we were going back and forth with letters. I would call them at least once a week and get advice. And, you know, he was just an unbelievable man. Um, so I'd love to have him back in my life and have him continue to guide me through this, you know, this craziness that is life. Can't stress enough the importance of, of mentors, man. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. He was, he was my first mentor before I even knew that 
mentoring was a thing. Yeah, like before yeah. I even knew that he was mentoring me. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and then Paul Grasso Jr. Paul Grasso, I consider a, a good friend. Um, Paul was on the Housing Authority Board when I was hired and when I became the interim executive director. Um, a lot of that happened because of him and his belief in me. And um, I still, well... Um, I don't know now because you know he's he's retired, so I don't know if he'd be willing to be stick around and be my board of uh, my board of directors. But he, we just went to breakfast, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Awesome. Um, we still um, every so often we'll meet up for breakfast and and talk, and I get guidance and you know advice and sort of just his sage presence, right? Like he's just an he's an omnipresent man um he and rocks a pair of sunglasses like nobody he I really know. does and socks like my socks i, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have the paul grasso <laughs> socks yes um so like what he's done for me in my career and has continued to do he's not on the board anymore but he's still such a huge part of, of me and what i do we email back and forth constantly i mean he's a huge part of me so if i could have him um, maintain that role for me into the foreseeable future. I would, I would take that with yeah. open arms. Yeah. Paul's a great dude. And, and I mean, for similar reasons, um, I admire Paul, Paul a lot. Um, he was a huge advocate for the Boy Scouts. Sure. And, and he, uh, I learned a lot from him, even though he, we never really got together, uh, over breakfast, but I would see him around, you know, I'd right. go out and get breakfast on my own and I'd run into him. He loves to get breakfast. He man. does. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do too. And like just running into him, every single interaction I've had with him has been, wow, I just got a net positive out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I wish him the best of luck into retirement. Maybe he's got more free time. He could sit right here. There, there you go. And have a conversation. You ask him to come in. That'd be a good one. Well, look at this, man. We're, we're having a great conversation. I'm getting more opportunities for, hopefully, for more people yeah, on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm learning a lot about you. <laughs> um, that's all I got for today, man. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I, uh, I had a phenomenal conversation today. Yeah. I enjoy the opportunity to talk about uh, what I'm doing and, and things that are going on. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, keep, it, keep, keep crushing it, brother. I will try. Uh, again, listeners, thank you, uh, for tuning in. Uh, if you made it all the way to the end, we want to go do one last thank you, uh, to our two sponsors, Open Gate Farmstead with the mantra, happy animals make the healthiest and tastiest product. Reach out to them. Let, let them know that you, uh, listen to the Gumption podcast and, uh, you're looking for your discount on your first order of eggs, or you want to get on the list for some pork next year, uh, I've tried it. It's good. I bet. It's real good, man. It's, you know, you go to the grocery store, not to knock the grocery store, but like once you have locally sourced meat, the color is different. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's what it's supposed to look you like. You mean your insides aren't dyed? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like pork that's white. It's not supposed to be white, right. I don't think. But anyhow. But they got to clean it. So I digress. Know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've gotten some orders of eggs that are not cleaned. Uh, there's still dirt and crap on them. But that's the I, way they should be. That's the way they should yeah. be, and they actually can sit on the counter without right. being in the fridge because they, they have their natural whatever. Yep. So I wash the eggs before I do anything with them, obviously. But shout out to Open Gate Farmstead. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. Reach out to them on, on social media and check them out. Also, big thank you to Kavanaugh 
Realty, Galen Trombley, Joey Trombley, and that team, the, they're doing some great stuff for our community and really helping us uh, move the needle forward. Uh, the more people that can buy and sell their home successfully in general, um, that that stirs up the economy for sure. So uh, they're, making a, they're making their impact in their own way, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Hashtag local matters. So that's it, everybody. Episode nine is in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks again, Mark, for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Until next time, enjoy. Peace.